Welcome everyone to the Bucks Film Room. It's our daily mini session and we're coming at you every single day with a quick 15-20 minute check-in on the Milwaukee Bucks. You can find us online at www.bucksfilmroom.com and on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. And today we have a very special guest. It's our first ever guest, so I'm very, very delighted to have him on, Kane Pittman. Kane is an Australian and he writes for the Pick and Roll as well as the Step Back and he uh, covers Milwaukee Bucks. You can find him on Twitter at MKE Bucks AUS. And he spends a lot of times with a lot of time with Milwaukee and with the Bucks at practices and at games. Kane, how's it going tonight? It's going pretty well. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I'm, I've been sort of following the, the film room and it's it's um sort of made a pretty uh a really good start and getting a good following. So I'm um I'm uh happy to come on. And we're lucky to have you on here. You know, you're really boosting the morale of our film room and really the the skill level. I think you're the most, you know, you're very talented. I've been following your work, so we really appreciate you hopping on here. So yeah, I, I wanted, appreciate that. I wanted to start out here since you spend a lot of time at the Fisherev Forum. Like, what's the atmosphere like there? What's what's it like around the team? Like at games, what's the crowd like? Just what does that all look like this year for the Milwaukee Bucks? Well, I think it's, um, and I think everyone knows that that's been there and then had had the time to to, to go to the Bradley Center as well. I mean, it's just a, it's unbelievable. When you first walk in there, the difference. It's a beautiful arena, um, and because it is so, uh, you know, amazing to walk around and check out all the new things. I, th- I think, um, you know, everyone's just having a great time in in walking around and checking out the new bars and the different clubs and all that sort of stuff. So um, the atmosphere has been fun. And if everyone's there having a good time, and I think it helps when the team is is you know absolutely destroying everyone when we play there. But um, I think the atmosphere has been pretty good so far. What's your favorite part about the new stadium? Um, I think for, for mine, the, the the best part about it is the sort of the open, um, uh, I guess, uh, style that they went for, and and I was I, I got to um, the Golden One. Uh, center in Sacramento last year and that was the first thing I noticed the similarities between there that you can be walking around the concourse and um, you can still see the floor um, you can get a beer if you want to and still watch the game um, I, th- I think it brings um, a different sort of atmosphere to the game and allows uh, fans to not feel like they cannot go and get a drink or they can't go to the you know bathroom or whatever they need to do I, I just think that sort of adds another element to it and um, particularly in the day game yesterday where you where you get in um, yeah, you, you you get daylight in the in in the arena as well. I think it's I think it just changes everything. We know the Bradley Center was just as soon as you left your seat, it was just concrete walls everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I just aesthetically, that everything about it is is just uh, it's brighter, uh, it's cleaner, it's um, it's just uh, yeah, it's it's really amazing. And the fans have been reacting pretty well. I mean, the Bucks, even though they rank 19th in the NBA in average attendance per game, they still, according to ESPN, they're filling 98% of their stadium um, on a on a nightly basis or every, per game. So ownership should be happy about that. They put a lot of money. You know, it's kind of like Miller Park for the Brewers. You build it and they'll come. And so far, that's what's been happening. And I think, I mean, I... I could only see like or can only share what I saw on TV, but yesterday for a Sunday matinee game, the crowd was pretty awesome. Am I right about that, or what was the crowd like for in person yeah. there? Yeah, I thought yesterday was one of the. Um, I certainly noted. I, I think I tweeted about it. I thought pregame um, that was the uh, 
the most full I've seen it. Um, maybe aside of the, the opener against Indiana, but I think the two o'clock or the two thirty tip off suited families and and you know I think everyone was just really really pumped to get in there on a day game. Um, I know the Packers were playing later on, so that probably you know was a, mm-hmm. a nice warm up for a lot of people. But um, uh, I, I think the day slot was great because um, they have had a, you know weekday games, and then the Philadelphia game was an eight thirty p.m. Uh, tip off. So the, the the days haven't all been super friendly for families and kids, I guess, to this point. So uh, I thought um, yesterday was one of the better crowds, and and they're I mean they're getting a lot to cheer about at the moment. Yeah, and yeah, that's for sure. The Bucks are off to an eight and one start, one of the best records um, in the NBA, and now they head out west on a four game road trip, which will really test them. They start out on Tuesday night against the Portland Trail Blazers, who are seven and three as of Monday night, and then just a couple days later, they head out to the Golden State Warriors on Thursday in Golden State. They're nine and one, off to a great start. Then a couple days later, they play the Los Angeles Clippers, and even though the Clippers right now they're five and four, they still fight and grind every possession, every game. You know it's not easy. And then finally, the Bucks will wrap up the road trip against the Nuggets, who also only have one loss, and will be another nice test against Milwaukee. So, Kane, what are you looking for from the Bucks, or what do you expect from the Bucks on this four-game trip? Yeah, it's a um, it's a brutal road trip. I mean, they, these four teams are. Uh... Um, yeah, on both both sides of the ball, are, are probably one of the more you know efficient teams um, you know out there. So to to pack them all in in the space of um, uh, six or seven days, whatever it is, is super tough. But uh, I, I think it's I think it's a good thing though for Milwaukee and and um, to test themselves against these better teams and to get out on the road and and uh, they've handled a lot of the Eastern Conference, but get out west. Um, see some different looks because uh, I thought that they learnt a lot from playing the Celtics um, because they didn't get it all their own way, mm-hmm. and I think that's important. I think that's important for this team to, um, yeah, it, it might not uh, translate on the scoreboard into a win, you know, against Golden State, but I think it's important for them to come up against these teams and, and be challenged and have the schemes challenged and then try and come up with a way uh, of how they're going to adjust to that and learn from that. So I'm, I'm excited to see how they handle it. Um, but, you know, in terms of wins and losses, I think when you go into a trip like this, you, you have to be, um, you have to keep your expectations uh yeah, kind of in check, regardless of how well they've been playing, because uh, I think any time you go out west uh, in a, in a four-game trip, if you can split that, then then you're absolutely ecstatic. So uh, um, I, I guess from my point of view, that would be the hope, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So that's what I was going to ask you is over under two and a half wins for the Bucks on this four-game trip, would you take over, meaning that they'll win three or four games, or would you take the under, saying that, like you said, they'd go two two and two or one and three? What, what would you say over, under, two and a half wins? I would go under, um, okay. and the reason for that is that uh, I, you know, in terms of people talk about uh, uh, schedule losses or schedule wins, I think the Denver game, is the definition of a schedule loss because uh, not only are they re- they're playing unbelievable right now, but you get them on the fourth game of a road trip on a back-to-back coming off uh, the day game in LA on Saturday. So um, I think anytime you go to Denver, it's it's hard enough as it is with the altitude and and that sort of stuff. But um, I think on the end of a road trip, um, yeah, the, 
the, clearly the, the fatigue, that's when fatigue is going to set in. Uh, you know, that's before, like I said, you even get to the point that how well they're playing. So I feel like the Denver game is going to be extremely difficult to get a win. And then you still have to play Golden State as well. So, I, I, you know, again, I, I'm looking at hopefully trying to split this. Obviously, if you do more, then that's incredible. But I think for a base mark, you, you want to split that. And you're probably looking at the Portland and then the Clippers games for mine. Yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with the Bucks splitting it. I mean, I think the Clippers game is a given. And then, you know, you try to get the Trailblazers for sure. I, even though the Trailblazers are 7-3, and three, the Bucks are kind of proving that you know, at least at this point in the season, they're class ahead of a team like Portland, um, which is crazy. But I think Portland will give them a good test. You know, uh, guys like Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, they've given the Bucks a lot of trouble. And the Blazers have two guys and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum who can come off that ball screen and knock down the pull-up three. And so I think that'll be a really tough challenge for the Bucks, you know, defensively, what are they going to do? Are they just going to keep allowing that to happen? Like Budenholzer has shown, you know, he's not quite as willing to change as quick as maybe people would like. But, I mean, I think that'll be a good test. The Warriors, you know, the Warriors are the Warriors. That's all you got to say about them. The Clippers, that should be the guaranteed victory. And then the Nuggets and the back-to-back, um, that'll be a tough game. But, yeah, I mean, 2-2 two and two would be okay because then they would still come out, what, 10-3 and three, heading back home to Milwaukee. And I, But, you know, so far this year, though, I kind of want to raise my expectations and say 3-1 and one is what I expect. You know, beat Portland, beat the Clippers, and then either get one against the Nuggets or one against the Warriors. But I think that might be, you know, some too high of thinking on my end. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, uh, it's, I, I really just want to see, like I said, uh, how they go. Um, and like you, you touched on, starts tomorrow with Lillard and McCollum because uh, Portland aren't shooting a lot of threes. They're only getting up 31 a game, uh, which has them 16th in the league. But we know that's about where Boston was, and they were able to get all these open looks off, off um, you know, in the pick and roll and the Bucks, uh, you know, sagging back there on defense, which allowed, in particular, Al Horford to, to get uh, looks all night long. Um, you said Kemba Walker's giving them trouble. Um, Kyrie Irving obviously had a really great game. So that's that's key for the Bucks tomorrow night, um, trying to curtail the, the two guards there. Uh, but I, I think... You know, we saw yesterday the Kings are a super fast team. They wanted to push the ball, and I think you know for this Bucks team, if you want to, if you want to push the pace against the Bucks, that's gonna that's gonna fall right into their wheelhouse. They're really yeah. happy to do that. So I think that's again what the Bucks to kick off the road trip. They're gonna try and push the pace tomorrow night. The Blazers do can give up a lot of points in the paint, and I, I think the Bucks are gonna try attack the rim and then work out from there and get their threes. Yeah, and the Bucks play a couple of late games this week with the Portland game being 9 o'clock. I think the Warriors is 8.30 or 9. Um, and, you, and you're heading out west for a couple of those games, right? So we can kind of check in with you or check out your Twitter feed to see, you know, how things are going from inside the Milwaukee Bucks or kind of get that perspective from the players and stuff like that, right? You're going to head out there for the first couple of games? Yeah, yeah. I'll be uh, – I'm heading off for um, Portland tomorrow morning. i got to – Six o'clock flight uh, out of Milwaukee, so yeah, I've got my alarm set for about four a.m. So it's going to be 
It's gonna, and then you, t- you spoke about the nine o'clock tip off. So I am not ruling out an afternoon nap in my future tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, um, so I'll be there. I've, I've never been to uh, Moda, so that'll be my first time there. So I'm excited for that. And then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna head down to Oakland uh, for the Thursday night game. So but, you know, probably the two games that you know if I could choose to go to, they, they would be the two ones I'm most excited about at the front end of the trip. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be excited to be there and you, know, you will be able to follow me and, and follow my uh, sort of tracks in, through those two games. And that nap, that's exactly the key. When the Bucks, when they play these late West Coast games, I take a nice little nap from like 8 to 9, wake <laughs> up, and then I'm good to go until 11, 11.30. That's the key. Yeah, well, I, I caught the... Um... I got. I went to the Minneapolis game and I got the midnight bus uh, from Milwaukee to Minneapolis and then, uh, yeah. By the time the game rolled around, I was I was very thankful I got that afternoon nap in. It was a, it was a lot later. <laughs> For sure. All right, so let's jump into some questions from some listeners, or hopefully they're listeners. Um, we got let's see about four of them here. So the first one is from. At Joe is on one. He's pretty prevalent in the Bucks Twitterverse, and you know he's kind of all over the place. He's really an educated fan. He says, as teams begin to adjust to the new look Milwaukee Bucks, which is more sustainable: the Bucks offense, which is ranked third, or the Bucks defense, which is ranked second? And I'm guessing he means rating in those categories. So, what's more sustainable in your eyes: their offense or their defense over the long haul? Yeah, I was, I was in. I, I really, when I said this question, I really, I thought about it for quite a while. But in the end, I'm going to say the offense because, um, you know, I, I think that the Bucks were already, they were already a top ten offense last season. Um, you know, with what we know was virtually no scheme, and it was just like, oh well, we got the ball in the half court. Let's just give it to Giannis or Chris and see what can happen. And even through that, they were able to be um, a top ten offense. So. Uh, I think where they're at now, I, I, their third uh, offensive rating of one fourteen point seven, but I think that's going to stay um, top five, you know, around that mark. I don't think that's going to change because we know the NBA's got uh, faster this season, which again suits the Bucks, and they're going to keep shooting these threes. We've already seen it doesn't matter, you know, if they miss ten in a row, whatever, they're going to keep doing that. So I think they've got the structured system, and I think that. Um, that offense is going to hold. Uh, I'm not as confident that, confident that the defense is going to stay where it is second. Um, but you know, the, the, at the moment, the Bucks uh, have the best net rating in the, in the entire NBA, so they've got some they've got some wiggle room in the defense. We always spoke with Kid, where like if the Bucks can get into that top half defensively in the league, then that's probably all they're going to need to be a home court team in the East. But they never got there, so. Um, I'm not sure whether they're going to stay second uh, defensively. We've seen, you know, what the Celtics did. I think teams are going to try and, uh, you know, do some copycat stuff there, and we'll see what uh, Budenholzer has in terms of adjustments. Um, I don't think he was particularly too worried about adjusting the other night, um, but we'll see. But if I had to guess, I'd say the offense. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that when you just look at the talent on each end of the floor. The defense, yeah, they have some. I mean, Giannis, he's obviously a defensive player of the year candidate, even though he's maybe not one of the favorites. He's in that conversation at least. Um, but they just don't have that great of individual defenders. So I, I got to say the offense as well. I think that 
you know, Giannis, he's one of the absolute best scorers in the NBA. And then you add in Chris Middleton, you add in like a Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez, like those guys may not be outside of Chris Middleton and Giannis. They might not be like great individual scorers, but uh, Mike Budenholzer and John Horswin did a great job of finding players who fit their scheme in Ursan and Brooke Lopez. Like they picked out guys that had exact talents that they were looking for, and even in their draft pick and Dante DiVincenzo. And so I think that, you know, their offense is a lot more sustainable there. I mean, Giannis, he really hasn't even gotten going yet, even though yeah. he's putting up some pretty nice numbers. Like every game I feel like we're like, oh yeah, like that's a C plus B minus game. Like he could have done better. And still the Bucks dropped 144 points on the Kings. So yeah. I think their offense is definitely the most sustainable. Yeah, I will say, I will just touch on the defensive defensive player in the year. I will say the reason that he probably wasn't even in consideration last year, and it was ridiculous that he wasn't an all-defensive player, but that was because the Bucks were in that, you know, such a low ranking, 17, 18, whatever they were defensively. If they, if they stay top 10, then uh, I think he's a lock for all-defensive, um, and he'll, he'll be one of the candidates. I think the team sort of held him back in that regard, but obviously he's elite. Yep, yeah, for sure. So this next question comes from at, and I'm awful at these Twitter names. It's L-U-E-D-T-K-E-283. So like Ludke 283 <laughs> I don't know. So this individual says, if they go 3-1 in the next four on the road, will they finally be respected as contenders in the national media? What do you think, Kane? I think... They're going to struggle with uh, the ESPNs and, and these types of uh, you know networks who, are, no matter what, still going to play to their audience, which is LeBron and you know Boston and, and whatever. So I think you're going to struggle there. I, I've really enjoyed this season early um, in the early going with the way the Bucks are playing and shooting the threes. How much um, you know online stuff they're getting from really smart people, the guys that are into the stats, into the advanced analytics that are talking about how well the Bucks are playing, and that it is sustainable. Um, I I already felt I, I joked about this the other day with with um, with a friend, but I was like, well, this was the, the, the ESPN were over the moon the other day that Boston beat Milwaukee because now they you know they don't need to talk about the Bucks anymore at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just don't think they, I don't think they're interested in talking about the Bucks. And I think if you want to watch, if you want to hear, uh, you know, good analysis or read good analysis, then that's probably not where you want to do it. But um, in terms of you know, Sports Center or you know that sort of stuff. But and I think that just comes from people outside of Milwaukee aren't interested in the Bucks. But um, you know, the longer it goes, I, I think you know if they keep winning games and they remain at the top of the East. It's just going to eventually, they're going to force people to talk about them, but I think it'll be begrudgingly. Yeah, I mean, personally, there was a time in my life when I was really, really worried about like what the national media was saying. And because you love to see like your team talked about on ESPN or Sports Center or Sports Illustrated, that kind of stuff. But the best part about sports is you get to play it all out and then you get to earn respect in the end. So, Right now, like, I don't, I'm not really worried about what the national media is saying. We're watching a once-in-a-generational player in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I think that, you know, I'm just going to enjoy that. And the Bucks are good enough this year where they'll earn that respect by the end of the year, and they'll make them make teams realize how good they are. So, like, I don't think that right now there's anything necessarily. I mean, they're already 8-1. and one. What more can they do to 
gain respect. I mean, this road trip, obviously three and one, yeah, might do it a little bit. Um, but overall, I'm just not worried about it. I the Bucks got to handle their business. I'd rather have them fly under the radar than fly over the radar and be this overrated, overhyped team like the Los Angeles Lakers. So right now, I'm cool. I mean, if they beat the Warriors, I will say if they beat the uh, full strength Warriors team yep. on TNT, they they'll get people talking there. For sure, for sure, I agree with you there. All right, our third question comes from, and this is a second question from this guy, is at Traytow Rules, so at T-R-E-T-O-W Rules. And this person asks, what happened to Collie Stein and Bagley? I thought the athleticism mismatch could be a problem, but they only combined for 10 rebounds. What is the team doing differently this year? beyond the impact of Brooks boxing out. And before you answer that, Kane, I can just tell this person is a reader of Bucks Film Room because I broke down Brooke Lopez's boxing out and how that's really impactful and how the Bucks fare with him on the court as far as rebounding goes versus off. So anyway, so back to the question that was just a little shameless plug. So <laughs> what's the team doing differently this year as far as rebounding, I think, is what this person's asking. Yeah, well, in, like getting on, onto that matchup with Corley Stein, who, who I mean, who was playing such? Um, I mean, he was averaging sixteen and eight coming in. Um, obviously, athletic can run the floor. Uh, I thought in regards to yesterday um, or Sunday, it was uh, Giannis really sensed early in the game that he had a massive advantage, and. Coley Stein is not going to shoot the three. He was getting these points a lot, a lot of points in transition and in the paint, which is how the Kings are scoring. Um, I think in terms of, I spoke earlier about schedule losses, I think that was one for the Kings as well. They were right on the back end of a road trip. Now, I don't think they were going to beat the Bucks anyway, but you could tell early in the game that they, were, they had a few little fumbles um, trying to really push the pace. Uh, Giannis sensed on Coley Stein that he, he could get whatever he wanted. Coley Stein got stuck one along with him, and in the end, he was, you know, he got he had his fifth foul in, in this, maybe late in the second or early in the third. Um, and I asked Giannis about that after the game, and I said, you know, he's playing such great basketball coming in, he's putting up points. Did you sense the, the mismatch early and really attack that? And he said, and he, he straight off, he just said yes. And he goes, but it wasn't just Coley Stein who I who I knew I could beat. He goes, uh, um, Kufos, and he and he actually, and it was funny the way he said this. And he goes, oh, uh, that other guy, who is he? Uh, the rookie, what's his name? Uh, Bagley. <laughs> and, and you know the way he said it was unbelievably funny. And he's just like, what's his name? I don't even know. Uh, Bagley, is that him? He's like, yeah, I know I'm stronger than them. I'm better than them. Um, so. I think in the end they were just overmatched. They were young guys. They they were maybe tired at the end of a road trip, and whatever good they've been doing, the, the Bucks pretty much snuffed that out in the first quarter, and then they were they were they were beaten from that point on. Yeah, and Bagley, you know, he, he's the number two overall pick, and he actually was tasked with guarding Giannis a lot in that game, which was surprising because, you know. I mean, but I guess not many teams have a player who can match up with Giannis, and so he just knows that he can go out and do that. And one of the things that I picked out in that game is that maybe not so much in the second half when the game was a complete blowout, but in the first first half, Brooke Lopez was going out and setting a lot of ball screens on Giannis or for Giannis in order to get him matched up against like Kufos or Will or Collie Stein or whoever was guarding Lopez. But yeah. I mean, I think that this year, as far as rebounding goes for the Bucks, that it just comes down to fundamentals and a more concentrated team effort. Like they don't, 
like Giannis is a good rebounder, but other than that, like Lopez only averages three rebounds a game. And so I think that they just use a nice team effort to crash the boards and then get out and go. They have typically four guys on the floor who can push the ball up the floor at any given time. So I, I just think it's just a team effort and good coaching, which we're not used to seeing from the Bucks. Yeah, good coaching and unselfish players as well. Like Lopez doesn't, he doesn't care about getting those rebounds, and and his three rebounds a game aren't really indicative of, of what he's doing on the floor. As you know that, I know you read about it. I did as well recently. It's it funny we spoke about that, but he um, he said the same thing against me. He's like, I don't care about box score stats. He goes, we, you know, if Giannis can get the rebound and we can get our offense started straight away, then that's what we're trying to do. He goes, mm-hmm. so if I take something out of the way, and then one of our other guys can get the rebound, and that's what we want. That they're, they're the guys we want the ball in their hands. So it's unselfish. Um, it's just smart. Yep, for sure. So this last question is not for me. This individual made it real clear. They, they're they just looking for your answer, which is cool because I think you bring a lot of great insight into this. And it's from at S Michael IS234 or at S Michaelis234. I don't know. So they said, for Kane, favorite players to interview so far. So who's your favorite players to interview? Uh, well, I will touch on that. I've been very lucky that um, with the Bucks that obviously for the pick and roll, I'm writing a lot of stuff. It's Australian websites. I'm writing a lot of stuff from the Australian point of view, and I've been super fortunate that um, Thon and Daly are. Um, I mean, they're as down to earth as you can get with guys. They, you know, will give me as much time as I need. They're always willing to talk. They always say hello when they walk past. Like, so I've been fortunate in that regard. I love talking to both those guys. Um, especially Thon is, I mean, you get some of the best dances uh, you can get off a guy from Thon because you can just say a few words and he'll just he'll just talk for two, three minutes and he's so passionate and so excited um, to be playing in Milwaukee and playing with these guys and, and being in the NBA from where he's came from. So I've been lucky in that regard. But someone that's like really been interesting to me to talk to and to hear his answers has been Dante because it's so... You know, I didn't. I wasn't really sure where he where he was going to fit in the rotation before the season, and now obviously he's been playing a key part, and to the point where he's one of the like he's probably the guy that we've spoke to maybe as much as anyone outside of Giannis in the last two weeks. He's always talking to the media. People always want to talk to him, um, and you're getting that that sort of perspective from a guy that's only been in the NBA for two weeks. So I think Eric uh, yesterday asked him. Might have been Eric or Matt. Uh, Asked him about what it's like that one one day you're defending uh, Kemba Walker and the next is JJ Redick and Kyrie Irving and just hearing those types of answers and 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 he's uh, yeah really grounded as well and so he's been really interesting for mine. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think they have a lot of nice personalities and players who bring a lot like to the table as far as insight goes, like you're saying. So and of course they got those two Australians who. This is a silly question, but just random. Who would win a game on one on one? Matthew Delavadova or Thon Maker? I think I think I'm gonna say Thon just because you know he can't put the ball down, and I think that he, he's just got too much length. I think Daly, <laughs> I think Daly would struggle to get a shot off on Thon. Although Thon might just foul the hell out of him, the, you know, the whole game. I don't, I don't know. I got, I got, I agree with you, but my heart says Delhi. I mean, I just love watching him hustle. Love watching him give it it all, give it his all. I mean. Even though he's getting paid all this money to sit on the bench, I mean, 
I could only presume, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he probably just has a still has a good attitude about it. Is a professional, goes out and works hard every day, despite you know the limited role that he's been delegated, relegated to um, this year. Yeah, I mean, he wants to play. Like both guys want to play, that's for sure. And everyone mm-hmm. on this, you know, that's a sign for how deep the Bucks are now. These guys were key rotation players in years gone by, and now they're sitting and watching. So. Uh, I mean, they both really want to play, but I know not just them two, but all the guys and Sterling and I know Pat before he came into the rotation uh, at practice. These guys are going like at it, like after practice, long after practice, doing five and five scrimmages. So keeping ready. Um, so all I mean, from top to bottom, I mean they're they're working well together. They seem to really, really get along, and and I think that's that's half the battle. Yep, for sure, for sure. I think it's a healthy level of competition, and that's what makes good teams great and great teams, you know, historic. All right, well, that's all that we have for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in to the Bucks Film Room. You can find us on Twitter at Bucks Film Room and online at www.bucksfilmroom.com. And you can find our super special guest here, Kane. He writes for the Pick and Roll and for Step Back. And you can find him on Twitter at MKEBucksAUS. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>